0: welcome back to the lantern rouge cycling podcast presented by zwift our show partner more on them later this is a double header with a little little addendum not no <laughs> more just a post-dinner aperitif with Twitters out maritime edivar and valenciana but the main courses algarve then Andalusia. we will start with the sprint, well, it was supposed to be a sprint, in Algarve, finishing in Faro, I had intel on the ground Portuguese people sending me portrait videos of the finish. It looked like a nasty little kicker up to the finish, not just a false flat drag, quite nasty. We've got Merlier here, Jakobsen, and Lecoq in good form. He would like this sort of finish. But who, who took responsibility for pacing the break, Benji? I guess those teams.
1: Well, quite a few teams, actually. Kovac was pacing for a bit for Kukar. We had the likes of Alpesin pacing for uh, the squad of Merlier. And uh, we also noticed that uh, the Koenig did not have, or Quickstep, did not have, uh, was it uh, the clerk today? Because the clerk fell out with gastro, whatever that is called, uh, sickness. So unfortunately, he's not there to pedal at the front of the peloton for that squad. But in all honesty, it... Was again a doomed breakaway. They were going to head towards a final sprint. And like you said, that final kicker, it kind of reminds me of that stage in the Vuelta last year where we saw the marker early and then Jakobsen flew past him in the end. Does it remind you of that as well?
0: Yeah, it does. It's one of these weird finishes where the lead got to get it right. Like we knew we would get the Renko. Pool of Death, whatever. We need to give it some sort of nickname, the Remco 1600-meter Asgren Pool. We need that named. But, yeah, would he get that right? Would the lead-out work? Who was the Portuguese team, Benji, that came up and started? Because <laughs> it, it's funny, during the stage, Vavica and Vi were pacing, and mm-hmm. then Portuguese team came up on the side, Tav for Mortagua Ovos, Matinados for their sprinter, Leon Hel Linares, who's Venezuelan, and they're speaking to Vivica and then they brought the whole train forward and Quickstep and Allison said, thanks, <laughs> thanks for doing it, <laughs> for chasing the break for us. But what did you make of this run in Benji and Quickstep's organization? Because I wouldn't say it was perfect. I saw Fabio almost being like, I need to move up now. I'm not in a great spot.
1: Yeah exactly and it felt like at the start I was like okay this train is different from the last time because in stage one I remember that Asgrain was facing much earlier in the stage and was not the third last man of the train and this time around Remco was sitting ahead of Asgren and Lampard was like fifth last man which last time was third last man so very different from the uh, lead out train we had on stage one and at a certain point it looked great I think we're 2K to go, I was like, okay, this looks pretty great. Renko's about to take over. He's going to hammer it. Asgren in the wheel. And so Tholf. But then it looked like von Lerbergen didn't choose the wheel of Asgren anymore and went backwards as Kokar and his lead-out jumped ahead of von Lerbergen and Jakobsen. So we had two riders at the front and then two riders of other teams. And then we had von Lederbergen and Jakobsen just a bit too far behind as well. And I was getting scared. I was like, okay, Jakobsen. Uh... How is he going to get up there? Is von Lederberg going to suddenly move up on the side and try and get to the front? But how did they solve it?
0: I don't really think they did. I think they benefited from the uphill drag and but Well, actually, you know what they benefited from, Benji. You know who isn't here? Jonas Rikkar. So. Yeah. That makes a big difference for Alpersen-Phoenix and Merlier was getting a little bit boxed as well. But Ber van Leeuwer, if you don't look behind, you are no lead-out. He looked behind, saw Jakobsen on his wheel, sparked it and put Jakobsen in a forward position with Cockard. Well, Merlier was on his wheel. Cockard was eating a lot of wind. Christoph yep. was boxed. Jakobsen goes to the barriers. And I thought Benji, if Merlier is on good form here, he wins this stage. Like yeah. it, it was so early from Fabio and this is his most impressive win for me so far this year because it's an uphill drag. He has Merlier in his draft for like 12 seconds, who we thought was really good last year. It still is good and he cleans it up easily. Was it a matter of Merlier being boxed? I saw he was rubbing shoulders with Cocard when he was trying to come out. Or do you think Fabio is just in way better form right now?
1: I think it's a combination of both. Firstly, yes, Kokar was moving backwards next to Merlier on the left side of Merlier. The barrier was on the right side, so he was stuck behind Jakobsen, couldn't go anywhere basically for a bit, the initial like four or five seconds of that sprint. But the second Kokar is behind Merlier, he can move past and he wasn't good enough to do so. So perhaps I I vaguely heard that it was a crash at the start of uh, this stage, thanks to our producer for that one. Uh, and Merlier was probably involved in that, which means that perhaps he missed that 1% or 2%, or do you think that he's kind of rusty all over at the moment in the season?
0: I mean, it doesn't surprise me that Fabio's in a little bit better shape than him right now. I think, yeah, I don't know, it's impossible to say. I think Cockard ate a lot of wind, and given his performance on the harder finish to stage the other day, I think with a better lead-out, he might have done it. But I think Thomas Champion got dropped earlier. Maybe that was in Andalusia. <laughs> it's hard to know who's in which race. But here's the top 10. Jakobsen taking, what is it now, Benji? He's <laughs> like fifth winner of the year. His a fourth. Fourth win of the year. All at dot pro level, of course. But still, this is... A- Etterfield, field, sprint field here. Edomelier, Cockard, Christoph consistent as ever, fourth, Hofstetter, Russo, Orasso, uh, Maes, Gazzoli, Joyce, and Linares, tenth, the sprinter from the Portuguese team who I said they pace for a bit. Ethan Hayter, Benji. This sort of uphill kick, this is what he's supposed to be good at. I think he struggles with positioning in the bunch.
1: I think that's also part of the things that he struggles with. We notice that he does better when the group is reduced. And perhaps that is the reason, indeed, like you say, that he's not up there. But I also feel like he's inconsistent so far in the season. Yes, his climbing was good yesterday compared to what I expected it to be. But I don't know. I also think that he's not a pure flat sprinter. I think he's a guy that needs a proper hill and not necessarily an uphill drag. And... Yes, he won that flat sprint in Tour of Britain. That completely ruins my point, but let's give that one for a no, second. No, no, it
0: doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't no? because that was that was a shambles. There was a crash just behind the oh, okay. Ineos strain, yeah. and Nitsolo and Cavil were caught behind it. So when you look at the – that's why results are deceiving because you look at the results, you're like, oh, he torched Nitsola and Cav in a sprint. It's like, well, no. okay. not really. Um, but
1: um, do you think about Kristoff knowing that he's been so consistent, so – Yeah, so consistent right now, he's got Kurne and the likes of Hendwebelheim on his parkour. He looks a bit lighter than previous years, perhaps just a kid that is doing it. But, (laughs) mate, 5th, 3rd, 3rd, 1st at Almeria, 3rd, then once again, and now 4th. That means that you've got quite a solid sprint. And I'd argue that if it's rainy, if it's a very heavy rain, a lot of wind, write him down for something like Hendwebelheim.
0: He looks good. 1,000 points for him this year, already a lock, frankly. <laughs> like, didn't he get 200 at Almeria? He looks so good. What a pickup by Jesus, for Jesus, yeah. So the German classics, Benji, yeah, he looks, what a pickup. And he looks in good shape, as you say. Maybe it is the fluoro kit. Uh, before we get to the preview <laughs> of tomorrow's, profile mention our show partner zwift the online cycling platform benji and i are going to get on straight after this episode we've been mainly riding on the flat roads the flat worlds on the lrcp rides, but sometimes it's good to conquer some elevation i do like the inscript course here and there from the comfort of your trainer next friday saturday and sunday a Rafa Rising on Zwift, three stages over three days covering Zwift's tallest peaks, including Alpta Zwift, Ventop and the Epic KOM. Unlock in-game kit and ride for the GC. If you're a mountain goat, head to Zwift.com for your seven-day free trial and to sign up to Rafa Rising. Thanks to Zwift for supporting the podcast. But the profile tomorrow, Benji, what an asymmetrical parkour at Algarve, a 32.2-kilometre ITT. Even a poll, it's why he's here. But McNulty, Pater, Danny Martinez, who is winning this stage and who is in the leader's jersey after it?
1: I said that Emco yesterday on the climbing stage and it didn't happen. So I have to do it again. I think that Emco is going to win the time trial i um do think that mcnulty is gonna be relatively close in that and perhaps like to be honest i think foss could have top three this entire race if he didn't crash yesterday yeah but with losing seconds because it was not it wasn't the last three kilometers his crash and he actually lost the time from walking to the finish line in a slow tempo and as a consequence that gap is too big in my eyes to still conquer again so I think he also has an opportunity to podium the stage, but I don't think he can take over GC once again. But I think we've said mostly the riders that can do well here. In like the far past, we would have said Bowley like three years King. ago. But... Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Good point. Stefan Kung has been great <laughs> yesterday. And um, he's going to do better than his teammate. Go do.
0: Oh, that, someone found out in the hot take section. Ben, <laughs> Benji wants Cung, or thinks Kung will beat him in a time trial. Do you think, Benji, do you think Gudu is here for TT practice? Actually, by the way, I think Kung takes stage, Ava Nepal goes into leader's jersey. Okay, yeah, good point. Oh, no, I mean, it's a roller course, 320 meters of climbing. Do you think Gudu's here to just get some race TT practice in because he actually wants to take TDF GC seriously? Otherwise, he should be at Andalusia.
1: I don't know. I think it's partially because their team didn't sign up for Andalusia, I think. And perhaps that's the reason for it. Perhaps they just signed up to one race and then realized, oh, shit, there's a time trial of 32 kilometers. (laughs) That's (laughs) probably actually
0: the reason. (laughs) It's his cycling. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Occam's Razor. Okay. We expect Renko to do well, and he probably will. It's a TT. Otherwise, we're missing Moreira, who opted not to start this stage. The uh, thing is on glass drive, Q8. Anik he's a Uruguayan 26-year-old who won Grandissima last year, a great time trialist, and they also have Rafael Rice. Rice. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Rice. Rice is here. But yeah, Moreira, curiously, not at this race, Uh, but Rice is, so he'll be looking for a top five. Don't be surprised Ah. if he's there.
1: I think he's been pretty bad, actually, the last few days. I've been surprised by it. But then again, his nah, time trial, uh, his, his his stage 1, 2, and 3 last year were 127, 61st, and 146th. And then he came second in the time trial. So I agree. He's going to pop up in the top five out of nowhere. And I'm looking forward to it.
0: OK. Hope McNulty's good because yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he keeps progressing on this longer TT. Yes. Now we'll move on to Andalusia, which is... Another rolly parkour with no real hard finishing climb and just uncategorized shallow grading climbs with some pinches in it. We thought, okay, gomez here. he's It's been a bit too hard for him the first couple of days. This is one for the sprinters. It, it kind of erupted into chaos once again after UAE, who only have five riders. They have Covey in the GC lead narrowly. And that's kind of, that was a burden for them today. Or was it, did they need with Trenton and UAE Benji to pace these climbs so hard that crested like 33 Ks from the finish, like it didn't look like Bahrain or Bike Exchange were going to mount a raid of their own accord.
1: Well, I think it's a combination of things. I think, yes, it's a very small team that they've sent here, five riders, which means that they're weaker and everything falls upon, like you said, Trentin and Polans to do the tempo there because I don't see Langen being the guy that's going to pace those climbs and do anything or react to stuff. So those are the two riders that I'm like, those are the ones that could do something for Kovi here. And then we look at the parkour of today's stage, like you mentioned, and those last two climbs, if, if climbers start attacking, I, I've got trouble in believing that Trentin can take care of that. Polans is the better climber of the two in my eyes. But um, they actually seem to have Given that the decision on the Alto de Calcin, which was the second last proper climb, the last categorized climb, we saw that UAE was pacing with the likes of Trentin and with also Poland to try and keep a tempo to make sure they don't have attacks from other teams. And perhaps they went a bit too hard because they were spent after that climb. They were not really there anymore when the next climb started, a uncategorized climb in the last 40, 30 kilometers. And yeah, there was Plenty of attacks on that climb. We saw moves by Lopez, by Landa, Velasco, Dunbar, Simon Yates. We saw Camna. Holman, Camma. Like you mentioned, you're right. Uh, plenty of people, and in the end, they group formed the head of the peloton group at kovi That uh, front group included Lopez, Landa, Dunbar, Yates, Van Savenant, O'Connor, and Rodriguez. Christian Rodriguez, not the other guy, Carlos Rodriguez. Fun fact. Christian Rodriguez was originally the man that was named Godriguez on my YouTube channel about three years ago, and I stole that nickname a month ago and gave it to Carlos Rodriguez. So I'm sorry, Christian, but hey, that's what happens when you aren't relevant anymore. <laughs> and we <we've> got <laughs> we've got a group of seven ahead in this stage, and it looked like that gap was not going to keep it because people in that front group were like, "Okay, Landa." What is he going to do? He's not the guy for GC for that team. Is he going to ride with Lopez and Yates to the line? Would will be pretty stupid. So he sat up at the back. Higgs in the next group and Wout Pools as well. O'Connor felt like riding. Von Savenant felt like riding. Simon Yates felt like riding. But Eddie Dunbar was like, okay, I'm perhaps not the guy either for my team. Carlos comes, Rodriguez yeah. is behind. So the choice for those two was sit at the back. And then Lopez moved to the back and was like to... Uh, to, uh, i think it was to dunbar mate you got to take over and he sat on the back of dunbar and dunbar decided to close it to the others that were in the front because there was a bit of a gap existing because lopez went to the back and dunbar closed it for lopez i would have never done that like what's the point for dunbar to be there anyway so <laughs> yeah. might as well let lopez do some dirty jobs in the front as well and put some uh, pressure on the guy but eventually the group behind came back uh, closed that down mainly in the form of people attacking to the group and it always getting a bit larger and that caused a situation where we had one peloton and a second peloton roughly 30 40 seconds behind in that second peloton teams like equipo can Pharma and i think a few other teams probably pacing as well to see if they can get to the front but from this point onwards it's a bit rolly but mainly relatively flat to the finish line so They were going to try and chase it down to see if they can get their sprinters to the front group again. But what did Bahrain do in the front group? This is what I don't get. Everyone that got dropped was
0: Guillermai, Seneschal, Bonifacio, Trenton, the the quick guys we do have here. And Movistar brought Kovey and every other remaining big GC guy back to group one from what I saw. Yeah. And then Bahrain paced really hard on the flat with Landa and Caruso. And I was trying to figure out which which GC guy's been been caught behind. Am I I stupid? Is that a rhetorical question? (laughs) Maybe Buchman? I don't think so. Um, But they paced. Anyway, I don't don't have the answer readily available. I'm sure uh, one of them will let me know. But... They go into the final two Ks. Is the three-kilometer rule applies here because it was supposed to be a sprint stage, and Dunbar takes over, powerful pull, maybe too powerful, goes through a right-hand bend, cr- and then the speed of that, there's a crash with Carlos Rodriguez and Narvaez. Sosa and Haig are just sitting behind him. They get caught up. Shambles erupts because Bahrain don't want to pace. Ineos are like, mm, what should we do? Sheffield makes it. Camner counters again. Such a good rider, Leonard Camner. He's on his catalytic form <laughs> almost already from last year. And Sheffield, the young American powerhouse on Ineos, Neopro, 19 years old, in the saddle, gaps. I think Lopez or Astana rider off his wheel. He thought he was chasing back Kemner. Bridges to Kemner, realizes he's solo, it's 1K left, puts the hammer down, and no one was bringing him back. Lopez eventually started to pace on the front of the GC group, but he ain't bringing back Magnus Sheffield. You'll remember him from Yorkshire World Champs 2019. Huge engine helping Simmons, bronze medal there and just an amazing pickup by Enios takes the stage, his first pro win, arms aloft, kind of like Thomas when he attacked in the Dauphiné through the corner and Kwiatkowski left his wheel wheel go and similar outcome, but this one wasn't exactly planned. I don't think they wanted Rodriguez to crash, but they got the result and they got to be pretty happy. I still don't really know what the plan was from Bahrain and even Astana, really. But anyway, we had to wait quite a while for the official results because they, t- <laughs> Andalusia results have been taken like two hours. <laughs> and then today when there was guys having to apply the three-kilometer rule, I was like, this might not be ready for the pod. But Hagen, Sosa, and Navis and... Rodriguez were given the same time as the O'Connor group. So top 10, Sheffield clear, Simon Clark second, DeWolf Turner, Van Seven on poles. Yates, Lopez, three Irons rounding up the top 10. With it telling me that Kovey keeps the GC lead, Benji, by eight seconds. I can't believe it. Surely tomorrow, <laughs> surely for the next two stages, they're going to test them again.
1: Ah, uh, Probably because they've realized that the weakness of Kovie is that they can't keep controlling all the attacks. And I think that's the big weakness of UE here. They don't have a proper squad to support this leadership. And Kovi has to do a lot of the work himself. But he seemed to be uh, a bit sneaky today. I think he was bluffing throughout the second <laughs> half of this race. Because while that first peloton was alive, he decided to sit at the back most of the time, sprinted twice to the front to try and respond to an attack and attack himself. And next to that, again went to the back, hiding sneakily. Trying to make sure people didn't know he was there so that other people closed the gaps down on attacks for him, I think.
0: Tomorrow looks like a stage profile which has been done in reverse, 170Ks long. They start with a 7K, 9% climb, the hardest one in the race, in the first 20 kilometers. And then it's like rolling medium mountain for the rest, like 8Ks, 4%, although there's like 3K, 7.5%. I think Bahrain are going to send it, Benji. They have to. And even Lopez, he looks a bit vulnerable. He's strong, but team-wise, could be isolated. I think Bahrain are going to send it
1: tomorrow. Um, Who do you think is winning this stage? Who's going to win this stage? That's a very good question. Hmm, I think that... I don't know. I have no clue who's going to win this stage. You know why? Because I think Bahrain, if they need to open it up, they need to do it early on that Puerto de Gorafe or whatever it's called. No, they can't go as early as the Alto del Orsch or Porqué at the start. Uh, (laughs) But uh, I think it's with roughly 50k to go that they're going to start moving on that steep section, the initial part of that Puerto de Gorafe, because if they wait until that last hill, is getting in their wheel anyway and can't actually respond. The thing is, this is not two big climbs in a row. This is one climb. So as a consequence, I think Polans and Trenton will be able to take care of that aspect. So I think that Kobe's going to win this stage.
0: I think Simon Yates wins this stage from a small group sprint of four yeah. or five riders with Haig working with him and uh, maybe Poles as well because Haig's ahead of him on GC. That's what I think happens. Anyway. That was Andalusia, very odd stage tomorrow. <laughs> I'll be keen to see how it plays out. You rarely see something like that. In Tudor Zalt, Maritima Var a healy stage that Caleb Ewan and Lotto Sudal controlled well at the end with Ewan winning pretty comfortably, although Turgis, I think for Total Energy, gave them quite a scare. And if he'd gone to the barriers and closed off Ewan, I think he might have even won, but he didn't. And Ewan cleaned that up. Otherwise, in Valenciana... You uh, you have the report, Benji.
1: Yes, sir. We had quite a few attacks in the stage, basically a combination of Kenny and SRAM and also Trek trying to get away throughout the entire race with Nivya Doma in a move with the likes of Longoborgini in a move and so forth. I think three or four riders from each team tried. And in the end, the final move actually worked. And it was Van Dijk and Soraya Paladin that went into a a two women move and got a gap of 40 seconds suddenly that gap went down and went down because in the last kilometer they started kind of surplusing they 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 kind of started looking at each other because von Dijk was sprinting from the front with paladin in second wheel and von Dijk just opened it up from like 300 to 250 meters to go hammered it in that sprint the peloton was coming behind them bastionelli the strongest rider in the sprint and that's uh, group but they were too late the peloton because Von Dijk was beating paladin just ahead of them on the finish line once again a world champion in track winning world champion itdt this time around yesterday the road race world champion two out of two for track at valenciana strong performance so far
0: tomorrow is the mountaintop finish van lerten's gonna send it and clean up gc most likely if she's in yep. decent shape That's all you need to know, not exactly sharp analysis to figure that one out. (laughs) But hope you enjoyed the quadruple header recap. Big weekend of cycling ahead, including a pretty interesting TT tomorrow with Avonapol, the McNulty one to watch for sure. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks to Swift for supporting the podcast, and we'll see you tomorrow.